Welcome to Rethink Retirement, a Next Up podcast. I'm Victoria Tomlinson. And I'm Trevor Hatton. Um, and this is a place for inspiration and ideas, hearing how other people use their skills and experience in new ways as they move into retirement. Or unretirement, as we like to call it. And why do we need this podcast? Because we're now living longer, healthier lives, full of opportunity. But so many people struggle to know what could I do at this stage of life? And our guests provide you with ideas and inspiration. And today we are absolutely delighted to have Michelle Cowan. Mm. Michelle's a long, extensive career in the software and tech industry. She worked with Apple, she worked with Cisco, and at a relatively young age uh, decided to do other things. Michelle, welcome. Welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. So, Michelle, thank you for joining us. Um, I, we've just been chatting about kind of where you started because it seems that you unretired unintentionally. Do you want to tell us a bit about your story and how you got to this point? Yeah, yeah, no problem. So I was coming up to um, 48 and we took a family holiday. At the time, my sons were 12 and 14. And... We took a family holiday and we did Singapore, New Zealand and Hong Kong. And it was an extended holiday. So we, we went away for a month over a Christmas period. And at the time, I was a sales director within Cisco and, and had quite a large extended virtual team across the globe. And I don't know what it was, but I'd sort of said to my boss, don't ring me unless somebody dies because I really do need this break. I didn't feel burnt out, but I felt that it was becoming all consuming. I was never off. It was, you know, was, my phone was almost surgically attached to me, you know, email coming through all the time. So I never really switched off, but I felt this need to kind of switch off. So we had the holiday, had a great time. We were on the plane on the way home and something just kind of, I don't know, call it a light bulb moment, something just flipped. And it was kind of, we were flying, it was the middle of the night and I sat next to my son and he was asleep. And I just suddenly realized that actually, if my kids decide to go to university, I've not got that long with them. Whilst, you know, I'm, I was able to do a lot of the school stuff because of the flexibility of working for a company like Cisco. I was still felt that I wasn't fully present as a parent. So um, I sort of made the decision on the plane that I was going to look for something else. At that point, I didn't think I was going to leave. And then got back in January and then early February, uh, a very close childhood friend of mine dropped dead on his mountain bike. And that kind of hit me quite hard. The day after, another friend's son who was the same age as my eldest son died tragically in a barn fire so kind of the decision was made for me I was like this is what am I doing I'm not I don't want to do this anymore so uh, to cut a really long story short I resigned much to everyone's shock you know why are you walking away from a brilliant corporate career you know we had everything and, you know, my career was going in the right direction, but I just felt that I didn't have it in me anymore. Um, 
So I, I started the kind of resignation process and I actually ended up leaving in the June and that was five years ago. So I kind of retired, if you like, <laughs> because I didn't have anything to go to. I didn't want a job. I wanted to take the summer off with the kids and my husband and and just, you know, I wanted a dog. <laughs> I, I couldn't have a dog because I didn't have any time to walk this dog because I never stopped working. Yeah. So a week later, the, we got a rescue dog and, you know, I spent the whole summer kind of just enjoying myself, walking my dog, seeing my friends, seeing my family and and just doing kind of nice things. I'd said in my head, I'll try and maybe look for something in September. September came and went, October came and went. And then in November, I sort of had an idea for an app. So I wanted to develop this app. So the process started with putting that down on paper, um, finding a business partner because I knew that I'd got a skill set lacking. And I thought, well, actually, it would be fun to do it with somebody else and... That was kind of working in my mind. At the same time, I got offered some consultancy with a tech startup in Manchester and really exciting project. Um, the uh, two, two co-founders had set up this business and they'd had lots of, um, they'd had an investor come in with a few million and the, and, the, and the investors that sort of said, well, where's the sales strategy? And of course, you've got these two techies who know nothing about sales. So... I was introduced to that opportunity, but but also the chairman um, is a really well-known businessman who, when I started looking at his credentials, I was like, I definitely want to work with this guy. I, I would have done it for nothing, to be honest, um, because I wanted to see if I could crack into that consultancy space. And I'd never done it before. So it was, they were taking a chance on me and I was trying out my kind of methodology that I'd been thinking about with them. So I did two days a month for them for a year and I still didn't really know what I was going to do. Um, the app kept inching forward a little bit. I found a business partner, somebody that I'd not seen for over 10 years, but he was recommended to me by one of my mentors. And when I approached him, he totally got it and he definitely filled the gap that I had. So I was like, I can't pay you, but, you know, come in with me and, and let's do this together. So we went on the hunt for a developer and that was quite an extensive kind of piece of work. So he had his own business. I was still like dabbling with a bit of consultancy. We need to find this developer. So we would go out and we'd talk to developers and we were doing a lot of research around that. And we finally found a startup in Huddersfield, which is where I live. And it was a startup that had come out of Huddersfield University, two young lads. And we went to meet them and said, this is our idea. It's a social media app. When you're talking to developers that are kind of, let's just say, over 40, you don't necessarily get what we were trying to do. Um, so these two young lads just got it straight away. They gave us a quote and it was it was way too low, as you'd expect. And, and, I, and I just sort of said, look, I like you. I can see that you've set up this business and you've got no strategy and you're not salespeople. I think you might need a hand. And they were like, yeah, 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 we do. <laughs> so I said, look, you've, the price that you've quoted me is 
too cheap, but we've accepted it and that's what we're paying. But in return, I will give you my time. And and my business partner, who also has, he's got a marketing background and I've got the sales background. So he said, oh, I'll do that as well. So we both started helping this software development business and we just really enjoyed it. And then they, they said, will you come in with us? So we said, well, we'll come in as non-execs and make a small investment in the business, which is what we did four years ago. And they're doing absolutely amazing things now. And they're a bigger outfit. They've got a nice office. We've got some blue chip customers. It's, you know, all that's going great. And probably do between one and two days a month for them. And just love it. I, I really like being around young, healthy, diverse minds and and it's just nice work to have. I'm talking a lot. Fantastic. France here. It's one of the things that we encourage people that we work with is, you know, you don't know the value of what you know, particularly uh, to young people who, who may be brilliant, great education, great ideas, but particularly in sales and finance, you just lack experience. And without trying to give too much away, you, you, you also are a charity trustee, you also do mentoring. Um, I mean, you have a whole portfolio of really yeah, interesting stuff. Yeah, and it kind of all evolved. And I had a coach when I was at Cisco, a business coach. And, and when I was trying to make the decision to resign, she said to me, when you resign, don't rush anything. Just if you can afford to take the time, take the time. Give yourself the space to think and I think that piece of advice was really key. Now, clearly, you can only do that if you're in a financial situation that allows you to do that. Yeah. But I would say to anybody, don't just rush into something. You know, maybe try a few things and and try a few things without such a massive commitment. So, like I did the two days a month, and I did it for a year. I didn't. I probably could have stayed longer, but my time was done by then. Um, and. By giving myself space, I think that's where the other opportunities have come up. So when I was in my corporate career, I used to do a lot of early in career female mentoring. And that's largely because Cisco, when I joined, was predominantly male. So young women were joining the business and couldn't see how they were going to get to where they thought they were going to get. Because all they could see at the top was this big layer of middle-aged men. So... I got involved in that because it's something that I'm really passionate about. And I could also see how tough it was going to be for some of these females that weren't perhaps as strong as I was. And then when I left, um, I would start getting friends who say, oh, my daughter's graduating this year. Could you help her? Um, You know, so just the kind of introduction to LinkedIn, you know, how to conduct yourself professionally. what you might need to put in a covering letter to if you're applying for a job, you know, could you look at the chairman's statement in the company report and see what's important to them? Um, and so that kind of got a bit bigger. It was, it's kind of mainly, it's friends' children um, that need help. And I still do that. And I would never say no to a young person that needs some help, particularly around finding a job and particularly around navigating how you get into a corporate you know, a big corporate. And then I was asked probably about two years ago to get involved with a government program called Help to Grow Management, which is a management leadership program delivered generally by the universities. And I partnered up with um, Leeds Beckett, 
and started doing some mentoring um, for them for their clients and I really enjoyed that work I had never done the mentoring in a paid capacity before um, I always kind of thought it was free because I've got loads of mentors and, and they all do it for free. <laughs> like that, everybody did it for free. I didn't realise it was kind of a paid for opportunity. And because of the work that I've done with Leeds Unit, that's led to other opportunities. Now, the Help to Grow Management um, programme is, is a volunteering role now. It's changed um, and I'm still a volunteer mentor for them because the work's really interesting. Uh, but it also provides opportunities because you, you can mentor somebody for, you get 10 hours mentoring over a period of time. If that client wants to stay with you, then they move into a paid capacity, which is outside of the programme. I'm loving what you're saying here because I think Trevor alluded to this. One of the things that we say to people is just go and start doing, I know you say to have space and time, but equally, I think for a lot of people when they retire, um, there is this blank sheet and they have no idea and that's what we're trying to do is help them earlier before they leave to start thinking well what might I do but this blank sheet I, I don't feel like you were terrified by it It terrifies a lot of people how did you feel about the sort of whole emotional side of this because you didn't know where you were going and you know who supported you on that journey did you have help what what was helpful to you with all of that yeah I mean I'm very highly motivated um and I've got kind of lots of hobbies and I've got a wide circle of friends um change doesn't scare me mm. and I know that, that probably a lot of people that you're talking to the change does yeah. scare them yeah um I think Trevor, you mentioned you don't know what you don't know. Mm. When you get out there and you start worth talking to people, mm. you then start to realise the things that you do kind of in your sleep. It can be really valuable to some people, particularly small businesses. Yeah. Um, the nuggets that, you, that you've picked up over the years that you might drop into a mentoring discussion that could change somebody's course. You know, so you go back to the support thing. I don't kind of know what support I got. I'm, I can navigate my own route. And I guess that's not so typical. I got involved with the charity because I always, and I've thought this for many years, that when I went into semi-retired time and I would do something with the elderly, three of my grandparents lived into the 90s. I understand what loneliness looks like at that age. And... I was fortunate enough during COVID to get involved with a local charity that does deal with kind of connecting people, community, particularly the elderly. And I was shopping for some local people and, and I really enjoyed doing it and just dropping the shopping off and having a half an hour chat three metres away. Um, that charity asked me to become a trustee and I kind of ummed and ahed with, about it because I'd been a governor of a school. Well, I was still a governor when they asked me to do it. And being a governor of a school is quite a, it takes a lot of time. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of reading. And because of the safeguarding challenges that schools face, you know, you've really got to be on it. Um, anyway, I, that came to an end. I'd stayed with them till till lockdown finished and we were all back to normal. 
and then I'd got some kind of spare capacity to take on a trustee role. Now, I'm probably one of the youngest trustees at 53. We've got a big board and there's lots of expertise, but the board members, we've got some board, board members in their 80s. They do a fabulous job and they know the charity inside out, which is absolutely priceless when you're in these meetings and you're trying to learn about how it all functions. But what I would say to somebody that's going to retire, that maybe was thinking about unretiring, being a trustee for a charity is actually a really nice way of entering into that non-exec world. Because it's not paid for. It can be massively rewarding. If you've got a background that is big business or corporate, what you can offer and bring to the table is immense. You know, I, I, I've only been with this charity since January and I've already delivered their retail strategy for them. So, yeah. you know, it, and that's something that I can do very, very quickly because that's my area of expertise. Um, when you go into the, the board meetings, you know, at first you're in kind of listening mode, but then you can think, oh, actually, I, can, I think I can bring something to this. And again, it's like you don't know what you don't know because you could be changing something massive. And for for a not-for-profit or a charity, I think it's it's important that they've got a good, solid board. And, you know, I probably do maybe three hours a month for this charity. If I want to do more, if I want to go and volunteer in in the charity shop, I can do that. If I want to go and work in the food bank, I can do that it's kind of as little as much as you want it to be. And and Michelle, um, if I've done my sums right, you're only five years into this journey and it's already taken you into all sorts of interesting places. Yeah. I I wonder kind of what's next, you know, what's on the horizon? Where do you see yourself going in maybe, I don't know, the next five years? Yeah. Longer term or longer term. I don't see myself ever fully retiring now because I've kind of experienced this blended approach and it definitely keeps your mind sharper because I'm into lifelong learning. I've always got some kind of self-help book on the go or I'm listening to a podcast series about something or I think when you are touching different businesses, you've got to be on top of things. Definitely helps with the mind and... I don't know. I don't see myself as this older person that is not agile. We're all right with that, Michelle. That's, <laughs> That's kind right. of what we're hoping That's for. Right. <laughs> yeah, I just, you know, um, for me, I've said this a hundred times, all my friends know this, for me, health is well. Yeah. My health is absolute number one. You know, I take care of myself. And if I can get some paid work, great. If I can continue doing some voluntary work great you know I worked with um, an operations um, specialist probably about just under under two years ago this seems like organized chaos but it it was a bit chaotic because I was got this here and that there and I've got to get more organized And and I worked with this lady and I just did a brain dump on her and said this is all the stuff that I've got and I said I don't want to work Fridays I don't want to do any calls on a Monday because that's my app day. I've got my non-exec commitments, which I'd like to do on a Tuesday. So that leaves kind of Wednesdays and Thursdays for calls and other things. 
and she did two really amazing things for me. She set me up on Calendly with different meeting types with my availability absolutely locked down. So if you wanted to book a meeting with me on a Friday, you can't do it. Um, I do make exceptions clearly because you've got to be flexible. But in the main, I don't work Fridays. And in the main, I work Mondays on my app. So you can talk to me about my app on a Monday, but I'm not really going to be entering into any discussion about anything else on a Monday. Very organised, yes. She also put all my tasks into Asana. And so I run a task-based system now, so I've got tasks that I need to do daily, weekly, monthly, and they're all in there. And since I've done that, I just feel super organised. I've definitely got more free time. I can see what space I've got if I wanted to take something else on. In terms of the future, I can see, I've already started to see a transition of moving the consultancy more into the mentoring space. I can do the methodology. There's pre and post work involved with that, whereas the mentoring is very in the moment, which I really like. I love all of this, Michelle. It's a really, and I love the detail you're giving people because that is really helpful. Um, And I haven't really thought about this organising your life, which I think we need to explore more. It's brilliant. Looking back, I mean, you've only been in this sort of a short period, but would you have done anything differently? Any surprises or things for other people that you would say, the one thing I would do, I know you wouldn't advise, but, you know, you might share. Yeah, I don't have any regrets. I don't look back and I don't miss my corporate career. I don't, but reflection is really important for me. And yesterday, it was really funny because I went on some mentoring training and there was some pre-work for the mentoring training. And it was, one piece of work was around your values. And the second piece of work was around your learning style. And the values didn't surprise me at all. My values have changed, um, definitely. In my 30s and early 40s, I was so focused on money and success and promotion. Then they're not even they don't even feature in my top 10 anymore. So my values have changed. Um, but then when we were looking at the learning style, I came out as a pragmatist, whereas I have spent my whole corporate career as an activist. And so I was like, gosh, I'm I'm a pragmatist, and I was a real clear pragmatist. So I guess that was kind of a surprise but it's also really helped me kind of inform my thinking around moving forward and what I'm doing moving forward still got a bit of activist in me but I'm all about I'm really into the kindness economy that Mary Portas does a lot of work around that I read a lot about that I'm into the planet people but profit in a sustainable way all of that is is absolute gold dust. <laughs> Thank you, Michelle. Um, I, it, there's so much in that, so much to, to reflect on and talk about. But thank you for your insights. And we do wish you all the very best with the rest of your unretirement. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, that was great, it wasn't was really it? Fantastic. <laughs> um, I've got a big smile. Well, I think we always have a big smile on our face. Aren't yeah. You? If we asked her to say what she said, then, you know, we'd have asked her to say that. Um, There's so much there about a whole career of of mentoring, being open to new ideas, finding ways of helping people, mentoring young people, you know, putting your skills to new use, um, particularly sales. I've done a lot with um, 
government bodies over the years about helping businesses grow and sales is the big weakness nearly always um, you very often have a the entrepreneur with the idea or somebody with a sort of financial background you kind of you need the two together but the bit that often is missing is that sales strategy and and selling you know it's much more of a skill than people actually think yeah. about or plan for and, and um, the other thing that struck me and, and this is true for you and me is the extent to which the pandemic changed people's lives. Yeah. <laughs> Some yeah. of the things that, that she started doing, you know, particularly around the charity work with older people, um, you know, was, was there was an evident need during lockdown. And, and, you know, that's led people to all sorts of interesting places. I think, you know, it's kind of encouraging that there was something good mm -hmm. to come out of it. Absolutely. I got two particular things. One was this bit beautifully demonstrated about just do something yeah. and one thing leads to another you meet new people you hear without having to do masses of research you hear where there are needs and you think oh well I could help with that and actually that's using my skills and you know I think it takes time for people to get round and I don't think they ever really quite believe us that everything's going to come from the people you know yeah. um, and I just wish we could get people starting all of that a lot quicker yes you say it but it's kind of it takes time really to think oh gosh this is where it's going to come I, I how many times have I said to people go and talk to your network don't talk to them listen to them go and ask some questions interesting ones yes and things will come out don't go and tell them about yourself because yes. that's not the way to learn what's going on from there and yet they still go off and apply for flipping trustee and whatever roles yeah. and, and then you say well how's it going oh well I haven't got anything yeah yeah brackets in my head I told you so but you know you've got to do that but the other thing I thought was really interesting was how her values have changed yeah and I guess that happens inevitably as we grow up and as life changes you know money has to be much more of a priority when we're younger and she said that you know that we we have different stages of lives but I think the more that people and I hope one day we can help people much younger that you you really think about the long term so that you're not spending unnecessarily but you're starting to think and that gives you that backdrop of space and time to go and experiment with things later on one of the things that she did which again we've heard this many times before is put herself out there and did things for no money at all to begin with yeah well that's what, yes exactly and, and, and that led into in one case it led her to become a non-exec and an investor yeah. In another case, it led her to become yeah. aid for her yeah. mentoring. Um, and, and we've heard that many, many times. Well, it's the thing that we kind of say to people, the more that you can do for free, the more some, it, it takes time. It's not going to happen. You do something for free and then next month you get paid something. And it won't necessarily come in direct correlation there. Yeah. But what happens is you get introduced. And then, as she said, I'm doing this for free. But if you want something longer term with this, and what we find with most people is, you don't necessarily you're not charging the old day rate or whatever but it's it's some money there which they yeah. you may need i always take something away from these interviews and so do i i i've realized just how disorganized i am so, <laughs> <laughs> so oh, I, I need i need to get that software that she's got yeah and get um, organized um so well if you've enjoyed listening to michelle and if you've learned anything been inspired We've got lots more guests as well. So do subscribe and listen and go to our website, next-up.com, because there's all sorts on offer there that you can learn from others. We'll have a yet another fascinating guest next time. So, uh, so please do join us. Thanks. See you then.